Welcome to Vespers at Lourdes. Vespers at Lourdes connects young professional Catholics in the Twin Cities and provides a place for prayer, adoration, and formation featuring talks from local Catholic leaders. This month, we are joined by Father Dan Griffith, pastor of Our Lady of Lourdes. He kicks off the newest season by discussing where we are at as a church and a local community, while also focusing on Mary as the example of hope and faith in Christ. And uh, welcome, everyone. We're happy you're here. I think we have 12 people in the church, and that was the number that Jesus called uh, as apostles to follow him. So uh, God can do great things, including restoring uh, this wonderful Vespers, and I thank the Vespers team for their, uh, their great work uh, and uh, reaching out and being present here today. I thank our musicians as well. Uh, we thank them for their presence so I, I'm doing what we might call a fervorino, uh, a, a short exhortation uh, in part on the reading, but I also want to concentrate on uh, the saint that we celebrated yesterday, Mary, the mother of God, her nativity, and St. Peter uh, Claver. And uh, my name is Father Dan Griffith, and I'm, I'm the pastor here. I've been the pastor uh, at Our Lady of Lourdes for nine years. We started Vespers a number of years ago. And uh, it gives joy to a pastor's heart to see young uh, Catholics entering into this beautiful prayer. Uh, and, it, and God is present among us, there is no doubt. Before I talk a little bit about Mary, I want to name the present moment that we're in. I think it's important to name the reality because uh, it can seem uh, uh, overburdensome. It can seem very challenging indeed and at times uh, almost like we are uh, without a shepherd or on a boat without uh, someone to guide us. So we have this challenging time of the pandemic. Uh, we have uh, the reemergence of, uh, of the Delta variant or the emergence of the Delta variant. We have social unrest uh, in our country. Uh, I'm 50 years old and I've never seen it uh, this bad. We have polarization in many ways, including polarization that afflicts the church as well. Uh, we have the very tragic events in Afghanistan, uh, natural disasters, including uh, Hurricane Ida in the, in the southern part of our country, the Gulf Coast. And uh, all of this layered on top of each other, uh, one after the other, can seem very, very daunting. And yet you're here because you're people of faith and people of hope. And God is with us. I was so struck by the, by the reading today from St. Peter. And listen to these words. I, a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering and sharer in the glory that is to be revealed. Listen to the present tense of that. He didn't say, I will share in the glory. He said, I, at this very moment, am sharing in the glory of God. At this very moment, at this very moment, you are worshiping God. You are worshiping God in this beautiful evening prayer, this beautiful vespers, and you share in God's glory even amidst suffering and trial. The kingdom of God breaks into the present reality in a way that is real and transformative. So amidst these challenges, God's glory is present. And we, like St. Peter, are invited to share in that glory. 
One of the things that I would say, and I've said at masses here, the most important spiritual piece of advice that I could give you, if you've not done it, is to develop a deep and abiding relationship with the Blessed Mother. It is the best counsel that I could give you. And why is that? Because she will always lead us more deeply into a relationship with her son. She wants to love us as a spiritual mother. She wants to nurture our faith. She wants to show us a path to holiness. Because the other reality of naming the present moment is God will lift up and raise up saints in this present time. He has done it epic after epic in the church history, and he will do it again. And Mary, as the queen of all saints, shows us that model to follow her son and to share in that glory in the present moment. What I want to do is offer three ways that Mary is a model for us to follow. The first is that Mary was a woman of prayer. A woman of prayer. She knew the Hebrew scripture. And I have in my, in my mind's eye and my spirit the image at the Annunciation very early in the morning that she was at prayer. That's what my spiritual intuition tells me that she was there well disposed to receive that message from the angel Gabriel because her soul was already united with God in prayer, open completely, such that the angel Gabriel says, gratia plena, full of grace, hail, full of grace. And why was she troubled at this greeting? Because those words were not found in the Hebrew scripture. They were reserved for Mary alone. And it's her disposition of openness in prayer that allowed her to receive that great message and respond with her fiat. Let it be done according to thy word. She was a woman of prayer. I told my law students at the St. Thomas Law School, uh, we were, were uh, looking at 10 principles of Catholic theology from the great late Cardinal Avery Dulles, uh, who was made a cardinal for his uh, theological contributions uh, to the worldwide church. He was an American uh, Jesuit. And one of the principles of Catholic theology, the final one, is doxology. It's the highest form of prayer, to praise God. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. And that leads me to the second way that Mary is a model for us and one characteristic of our Christian faith that is so needed in a world that is broken and bowed down. Joy. To be joyful Catholics. To know that even in the midst of suffering, we are sharing in the glory of God, as St. Peter said today. And that gives us joy amidst the, the burdens that we experience to know that Jesus has conquered this world, that the end is assured, that joy and goodness and truth and beauty will always win and has, have, in fact, won. And that gives us a sense of joy, and not a saccharine type of joy, but a deep, abiding, spiritual joy that is born of faith. Uh, if there's an encyclical that I would uh, suggest that you read, read Space Salvi on faith and hope 
and, and Pope Benedict talks about joy as well. That's the joy that Mary had. It's the joy that was expressive of her journey to visit St. Elizabeth. It was the joy that John the Baptist, a young John the Baptist, had as he leapt in his mother's womb, knowing that his Savior was near. I'm struck by the beautiful words of your opening that, uh, that uh, Elizabeth uh, prayed or read. I suppose she prayed it too. Uh, that we would hope that this would be a meaningful encounter with the Lord. How could it not be? Our souls are praying to God, the God who created us. And then finally, Mary is a model of solidarity. She is a woman who is in solidarity, in relationship with those around her. And what is the evidence of that? Again, the journey to Elizabeth. A journey while she is already pregnant from Nazareth to Ein Karim. Over a hundred miles pregnant because she wants to share in the joy of God's miraculous events in the life of her and her cousin Elizabeth. Entering into solidarity with her. Boy, do we need that virtue in our present day. To enter into solidarity with our fellow brothers and sisters like St. Peter Claver did. Uh, with the slaves who were brought to Colombia, entering into ministry, entering into their suffering, ministering to them not only in body, but also in spirit. And Mary didn't end there. In Jerusalem, when her son is lost, and then on the journey back, she turns around to seek him, to find him, to enter back into his life and to call him uh, to a life uh, where, he and, uh, where he would follow uh, Joseph and, and Mary's guidance. That beautiful encounter, no doubt filled with anxiety. And what about at Cana? She is in solidarity with those who are trying to celebrate the wedding. The wine runs out, and what does she do? Practical advice. Do whatever he tells you. Follow his advice, knowing that she is advocating on behalf of the celebration. And finally, in solidarity with her son. The others have scattered. John and the women of Jerusalem remain. Mary in the center, walking that journey with her son. Dying a thousand deaths, receiving his body into her arms, united in deep solidarity with the suffering of Christ. Some of you have so seen the, the Pieta. You've seen that beautiful image of Mary receiving the body of her son. And that should have been penultimately, finally. Mary is present in the midst of the apostles, open to the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift given to the nascent church as she begins, she, meaning the church, begins her journey of faith. And Mary is present to us tonight, the patron of this parish. So again, friends, I thank you for your presence here. I am uh, moved by the fact of uh, young adults gathering to pray. Uh, I again would exhort you, as that's what this is, to deepen that relationship with Mary as she calls us all deeply into the heart of Jesus, her son. Thank you for listening to the latest talk from Vespers at Lourdes. 
Vespers meets on the second Thursday of every month at Our Lady of Lourdes in Northeast Minneapolis. Our mission is to provide young professionals an opportunity for a substantial encounter with the living God in Eucharistic adoration, chanted psalms, and profound silence. Each evening consists of chanted Vespers, or evening prayer, followed by a time of quiet prayer and adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. During this time, confessions are also offered. This time of prayer is followed by a time of fellowship, refreshments, and a talk from a local Catholic leader. To see all upcoming speakers and any other events, please visit vespersatlords.com. We hope you can join us soon.